Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning, good morning to all our listeners. How is everybody in High FM land? Beautiful day, beautiful life. Good morning, Peggy. Good morning, Adel. Well, your backdrop hey. definitely looks like a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to show you my real backdrop because it will become very depressing. It's all about what we see in life, Adel. You just have to open your eyes. Amen to that. Agreed, agreed. I want to start off our show today with a story. Um, because maybe it will dispel a lot of um, a lot of uh, nervousness from our listeners, and that is about 20 years ago. I remember traveling to New York one um, one year, and I got on the plane, and I couldn't sit in my chair. I had a pain in my back, and that pain in my back persisted the entire flight. It persisted for 10 days in New York, and it persisted all the way back. And never, uh, and needless to say, and th- those times I wasn't as educated as I was today. All I did was swallow Voltaren. Voltaren would take it away. And when the Voltaren wore off, it came back again. Anyway, I visited my GP when I came back and I said, I've got this persistent pain in my back. I can't function. He said, well, it's, uh, he checked me out. It's muscular and you can't stay with Voltaren. So he has some other drugs. And um, I was drugged up again with muscle relaxants, other painkillers. Three weeks later, still wasn't better. He said to me, look, it obviously has got nothing else. There's nothing else to do. You need to go for a gastroscopy. There's something going on either with your stomach, your spleen, your kidney, a referral pain from something else and go for it. I wasn't very keen um, as many people who would go in for a, uh, for, for a thing like a gastroscopy. And I landed up going to my homeopath in the morning. And I said to him, you're going to shout at me. I'm fasting at two o'clock. I'm booked in to go and swallow all this yuck stuff to go find out what's going on. And uh, he did some reflexology on me. And he said, you don't need a gastroscopy. He says, you need a chiropractor. I said, a chiropractor? What? I don't do those people. He says, you're going to the chiropractor. He says, go on the way to the hospital. If you're not better, then go have a gastroscopy. And lo and behold, guess what? (laughs) One crack from what I was so nervous um, of actually set me straight and I've been hooked ever since. And that really is going to be our discussion. We are going to be inviting a chiropractor onto our show and we are going to unpack what a chiropractor is, what he does and why you should really perhaps go visit him. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern. Well, we have much pleasure in welcoming Dr. Tony Kopolovsky to the show. Dr. Tony, as he is affectionately known, is a chiropractor who has treated babies and children for close on 20 years. His great passion is helping these babies and children achieve optimum spinal and musculoskeletal health. Tony has completed a master's dissertation on the effectiveness of chiropractic in the treatment of infantile colic, and he is one of the founding members of the Pediatric Chiropractic South Africa, where he continues to function as an executive member. He is invited to speak at various schools, conferences, antenatal courses, TV shows, expos, and moms groups, and he also writes articles for an online parenting portal. Dr. Tony is the founder of Dudes to Dads. It's a training workshop that helps to equip men 
to become great fathers by teaching them and expecting dads the practical tools to be a confident, hands-on father. I think we should just talk about that. Outside of practice, <laughs> Tony enjoys family time with his wife and two incredible children. Good morning, Dr. Tony. Very excited to have you on the show. Good morning. Thank you for your time. Well, let's unpack all of this because about 25 years ago, I thought a, chiro a chiropractor was some like, you know, Chinese hoo-ha that like, you know, they break bricks, so they break your body. So maybe let's dispel that for our listeners and maybe give us a background as to what does a chiropractor do? Like what, what is your mode of intervention in helping people attain better health? Uh, so I'm going to go right back to kind of the beginning. Uh, it was first founded in 1895. Uh, so it's about 126 years old, I think, if my math is right, in Devonport, Iowa. And according to the official kind of worldwide definition, it is a health profession concerned with the diagnosis, the treatment, and the prevention of mechanical disorders of the musculoskeletal system. So that means like your muscles and your joints, et cetera. And the effect that this has on disorders of like the nervous system and general health. So there's an emphasis on manual treatment but it is much more holistic. So it really is a, a, a very holistic view on wellness, including nutrition, including daily habits, including kind of lifestyle, drug choices. It's the third largest primary healthcare profession in the world. And it's the largest drug-free approach to healthcare in the world. So uh, yeah, so it's very exciting. Uh, and what we're doing, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about it. I can talk to you guys like all day. <laughs> so, in understanding that, what, what you're saying is, is that our mechanical makeup plays an incredible part and has a spillover into other bodily systems, the nervous system, the digestive system, etc. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, headaches or earache, or so I work very closely with healthcare providers from all disciplines, or, you know, all allopathic disciplines, all alternative disciplines. Because, you know, quite often, like uh, yesterday, I saw two or three kids that were all referred by an EMT, you know, so, and that was just for ear dysfunction. So it can have a massive effect on if kind of people feeding, digestion, constipation, et cetera. Yeah, we'll go through some of that a bit later. Okay, so let, let's, actually, let's actually discuss some of like the main areas that one should go see a chiropractor for. Like what, what are the symptoms or the signs that would make me think maybe I should see a chiropractor as opposed to say taking Panado every day for my pain. Don't take Panado every day for your pain. <laughs> it's not, it's not there. <laughs> I don't, um, but I'm just taking <laughs> So, so I'm going to I'm going to split it up into kind of uh, the two passions, like the, the two divisions, big divisions for me. So the one is for your adults. It's really you know strong. I guess from the head down, it would be headaches, uh, neck pain. Uh, you know, or everyone's battling these days with pain in the back of their shoulders and their neck from bad postures, from working on their computers, from uh, laptops, iPads, cell phones. So, you know, pain in, in there and then pain kind of going further down. So uh, there's a massive prevalence of low back pain in the world. And then sports injuries, car accidents, pain in your elbows and your shoulders and your knees. So it's not, you know, a lot of people always think chiropractors only treat the spine, but it's obviously still for your extremities, which includes your your shoulders, elbows, knees, hips, feet, etc. And um, so that's, that's on the adult side. In terms of uh, kids, which is where my main passion lies, you know, the kids that I'm mainly seeing in practice are for excessive crying, kids are banging with sleep, digestive issues, feeding disorders, birth trauma, 
plagiocephaly, which is kind of a, a, an, a, an asymmetrically shaped skull, um, developmental delays, etc. So like it's, it's predominantly your kids that are crying excessively and that you really, as you said from the beginning, are not keen just to medicate your newborn. And I find it so fascinating because when it comes to digestive you issues with babies, <laughs> you specialize in husbands. <laughs> when it comes to say that you've got special needs husbands that cry all the time. <laughs> to too, just that's a shout out to everyone. Go ahead, uh, babies. When it, when it comes to babies, it's so interesting to think of going to a chiropractor when it comes to a digestive issue. You know, I mean, Dr. Tony, you're known as the person to go to when a baby has colic. It's just so fascinating to think, oh, I'm taking my child to a chiropractor when he has colic or reflux. Yeah, so, I mean, look, it, it sounds really scary. And uh, the truth is, I guess, you know, to cover it, and, and the big thing that um, uh, we mentioned right at the beginning is that it sounds really scary. It sounds really dangerous. And because, you know, it's not as well known, um, people are nervous around it. But it's been it's been tested and there's been great evidence and great research done over years. So, I mean, as Adel mentioned right at the beginning, I actually did a research study with a pediatrician 20 years ago. So, you know, on the effect of chiropractic on colic and the, the effect that that had, and the results were outstanding. So more and more and more, we've got great research to show how important it is, what the benefits are, what the risk factors are. So the risk factors are very, 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 very low. Yeah, and, and more and more and more kind of moms are finding more about us, uh, doctors are finding more about more about us. And the kind of the more we progress, uh, the more excited it becomes and the more people are getting excited about the impact. We are speaking to Dr. K uh, Tony, a chiropractor that is actually well known in our community, particularly for our children. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019, our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We're talking all things chiropractic, so here is your chance to join the conversation. Dr. Tony, let's, let's, let's zoom in on, on, on babies and children. I mean, I, I know what it sounds like when I sit at the chiropractor and suddenly I'll get this jerk in my neck and it sounds like a popcorn machine is going on. Like, let's unpack this for any mother that is nervous and let's go through the why she should come and then the how and, you know, what is it that you do to help the baby? So I'm going to go back to the, the, the definition, which is essentially the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention. Uh, so kind of the first step in any any first appointment with a mom and, or dad and, and their baby is just understanding the history, their birth history, their, um, what they've been through, what they can do, what they can't do, what their burping's like, their bowel movements are like, their vomiting, their nutrition, can they feed on both breasts? Like there's, there's, a, there's a massive history. I spend probably at least 45 minutes on the very first consult understanding the baby and, uh, and the activities of daily living, you know, and what they can and can't do. In terms of kind of the assessment and the treatment, assessing the musculoskeletal function. So in other words, looking to see what the muscles can do, can't do, what the joints can and can't do, and just in a normal range of motion. So we're not doing anything like you see in those kung fu movies where we get in their head to turn around 360 degrees. We, we you know, it's just within what they normally can do, and then to make this abundantly clear, on no babies do we adjust or click or crack or manipulate. It's not safe. So the forces are extremely low. And essentially, once we find the area that's dysfunctional, the area is not moving as well as it should, it is a gentle 
uh, mobilization so sort of gentle encouragement to just get additional movement through that muscle or through that joint restored normal function so as soon as that muscle or joint is functioning properly um, we get much better function in terms of the, the baby or the child's well-being i think that's where the fear comes in when it comes to going to a chiropractor with a baby you know we all think you're going to go and crack the child's neck but really the it's pretty subtle it's very subtle yeah so absolutely no picking no cracking um no adjusting nothing scary nothing scary at all um on a newborn you know or like a very small kid like it's still it's quite overwhelming so you know uh, they um they're fine for the, the whole assessment maybe during treatment they'll cry a little bit and um, once the kids get a little bit older so like my very first patient of the day today is three was three years old and he loved it he was playing and laughing and singing and jumping i mean he literally thought it was like a, a trip to the uh, the fun fair like he, it's just such fun for like a you know like a three four five six year old a little bit scary for you know your a kid that maybe uh like close to a year just because of separation anxiety but then we'll do a lot of stuff on mom we'll do a lot of stuff as as quick as we can just to make sure that it's as pleasant as possible for the little one but still never scary and never anything dangerous never anything that's going to put the, the kids uh, at home do you find there's a major difference between a baby that's been born naturally versus a c-section yeah uh, definitely so uh, there's research to back it there's a lot of research to back it there's generally a higher prevalence of uh, reflux of colic you know uh, the essentially kids were meant to be born naturally uh, you know so unless there's a medical reason they certainly do come out better going through the birth canal the contraction and relaxation of the birth canal being pushed through like it certainly does have advantages um you know when mom comes in i'm, I'm never going to judge i'm never going to say oh well no wonder you, yeah, you didn't you know you you, you had a caesar um but you know there's often a, a very good medical reason and my primary thing as as i go through everything with kind of mom is as long as baby's out and baby's healthy and baby's safe i actually really don't mind uh, the the knock-on effects of having a caesar we can certainly get around and we can we can you know repair the wrong word but uh, we can fix so uh, but there definitely is a, a difference especially because uh, and i might be going too technical here but in in the tummy uh, babies are really really bent over they're really crunched up to fit into the tummy and then they aren't really kind of put back into that extension straightened out through that birth canal they pretty much got popped up uh, as i like to call it through the sunroof so they can just kind of come straight off the top and uh, they don't get that that contraction of that space and they don't get that squeeze and they don't get that massive stimulation of the nervous system so yeah there is a, there certainly is a big difference sure i was actually going to ask you more about the technicalities because it would it would seem on a on a superficial level that a caesar baby goes through less trauma and i'm putting trauma in inverted commas right than a natural birth you know you you're comfortable and you're taken out yes you get a you get a fright that you know you're nice and warm in the next minute boom um, and you would think that a, a child going through the, the, the natural canal, you know, you hear them, their shoulder got stuck, they got cranked this way, their head didn't come out right. You would think that they need the chiropractor more than a Caesar baby. No, so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, without getting too esoteric, without getting too wild on this, um, that, was, that was the way it's meant to be. So, like, you know, on, on anything natural, whether it's foods or whether it's uh, birthing patterns or you know, I mean, that's essentially the healthiest possible way that we're meant to be born. And again, without any judgment, because there's, there's lots of good reasons, but same thing with, with feeding, you know, uh, kids respond better on breast milk 
than they do on formula. If they need to be on formula, then absolutely fine. And, and again, we get grounded, we get through it, and we advise and we, we give them um, you know, as much information as they can so they can be on the correct formula. But same thing, you know, if you think that all with all the science and all the technology that formulas these days would be able to, you know, build geniuses and make sure that your kid has got a six pack by the time they're like a, a year old or so. <laughs> uh, um, but no, like essentially, uh, as the old saying goes, breast is best. Like, it's the natural delivery, natural feeding is best for kids. Yeah. I mean, we just know also about that, the child getting that bacteria from the mother when they come out naturally is also huge for the rest of their lives, for their microbiome. Exactly. Um, would you then say also a Caesar baby, no matter what, if they don't have any colic issues, they don't have any reflux issues, they're not screaming, crying, it would be beneficial for them to come for like an adjustment type of things, something that they didn't receive when they were born? So I'm, I'm reasonably controversial in this. Um, most chiropractors around the world would say yes. And there's a lot of people that do feel more comfortable coming in just to have an assessment and just to kind of know where they stand and to make sure that baby is okay. I'm generally of the approach that uh, if it ain't broke, just kind of leave it alone. So, you know, um, for most of the kids or most of the moms that phone through uh, when the kids, whatever, five, six, seven, eight days old, old, I would generally say, wait a week or two. If the baby's really screaming and really uncomfortable and really your back thing come in, um, but otherwise wait kind of two, three weeks, see what the feeding patterns like, the sleeping patterns like, the bowel movements are like. If, and I see the baby, if your kid's doing really well, I'm happy. I, you know, I don't think they'd necessarily have to come in for an assessment. And quite often that the kids that uh, are born by a Caesar, they'll come in for an assessment, a checkup, and I don't do any treatment. I'll just do a head to toe check, say, baby's beautiful, baby's amazing, best looking baby I've ever seen, and send them home. Um, you know, uh, on the flip side, uh, the, the kids that I would probably strongly encourage to come in are uh, kind of the stuff that Adam mentioned, which is um, if they did have a traumatic delivery. So if you, you know, forceps or vacuum or their shoulder did get stuck or, you know, there was, there was any kind of trauma, uh, baby had to go to a neonatal ICU or there was uh, fetal stress or the cord is really wrapped quite tightly around the neck. Like anything around that where there's been some kind of trauma um, and some kind of intervention or some kind of stuff that didn't go according to plan. So uh, it'll kind of go back a step to your question is if a natural delivery goes well, it's better than a Caesar for me, uh, you know, in, 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 within my scope of what I treat. If it doesn't go well, you know, the Caesar is definitely better. And, and, and same thing for breastfeeding. So if breastfeeding is going really well, it's certainly better than formula. If it's not going well and it's causing stress for mom and it's causing anxiety and postnatal depression or the kids, you know, just not taking well or is battling with lactose or cow's milk protein or, you know, I mean, I'll refer that kind of stuff out. Um, but then, then quite often they'd actually do better on formula. Right. So, look, definitely I, I agree with you. You know, um, I had Caesar babies. Um, I had two breastfed, uh, three breastfed babies, two bottle-fed babies. And, and today I, I say things, go see if I love my breastfed, you know, and my breastfed better than my, my bottle-fed. You can't tell that from obviously an emotional and attachment point of view. Yes, I have to concede that my breastfed babies were far more healthier than my bottle-fed babies, but circumstances were circumstances. And, and you know, we did the best. And I, I think that point is very valid. Can you give, um, since we're still sitting with the little kids, can you give some pointers 
to a mother. So she's she's just had a, a, a newborn. She's maybe still sitting in the maternity ward recovering, or she's gone home, and you know she she she's she's frustrated, and there's a lot of anxiety around the baby, maybe settling. Like, what are there specific pointers that go and say, guys, like just go to a chiropractor because you know th these. If you see this, 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 and this, and this, it just means that it needs a bit of an adjustment. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very specific with you, and you're going to have to cut me off because now I'm going to talk and talk and talk all day. But um, <laughs> uh, so I'd probably start off with kind of step one, which is, you know, we, what you mentioned in, in hospital, kind of step one. And for a lot of the kids I see, um, they are really bad. And the reason that they're coming in because they, you know, they're crying excessively or they're battling is because they're in a, a sympathetic overload. They're in a sensory overload. And that just means that mom or dad or Bobo or Zed or someone is driving them a sugar. So, you know, normally all four. Um, so that's kind of step one. Uh, I, I talk a lot and we go through a lot of detail around for your newborn, for the sake of mom and baby, is just try to keep the sensory environment quite calm and quite relaxed, not having too much chaos. Uh, you know, not uh, like, you know, in a, in a bigger family, not having, you know, three or four or five siblings jumping all on top of the newborn uh, with screen time and shouting and games and going to extramurals and driving. Like it's just chaos for the, a little one. So step one is really focusing on making sure that the little one isn't overstimulated. And while in, still in hospital, there's amazing research, uh, mainly done by a chap by the name of Professor Niels Bergman uh, on skin to skin. So um, I'm a really big fan of, of skin to skin in hospital and at home. So when you get what home a lot. So uh, literally what it sounds like is uh, having baby, uh, their skin on your skin, which is one of the reasons that breastfeeding is so lovely, but, and it can be just put out there for, uh, for all the dads listening to this is uh, equally as effective on dad's chest or on mom. So, you know, a lot of encouragement, uh, what it does is it calms them down. It's, it's been shown uh, the flip side of being overstimulated, which is your sympathetic system, is your parasympathetic. So it, it looks to calm them down, which is good for um, kind of just calming the system. So bringing their heart rate down, improving digestion. So that kind of that's always my step one is making sure that these little ones are not being driven nuts. So I'm going to jump through those. I'll talk about that all day. Kind of uh, step two is just to understand the mechanics, understand kind of the hows and whys behind um, burping. So we go through quite a lot of details around burping because, uh, again, that can result in quite a lot of discomfort, quite a lot of abdominal cramping, um, can often be part of the reason that they're refluxy. So just, you know, some of the work around burping techniques. Can we um, talk about you? burping techniques? Because, you know, you, know, you know, when you've got that crying baby, so one is yep. holding the baby over the shoulder and knocking them so much that they'll need the chiropractor because you probably just <laughs> knocked the baby. So yeah, a, a cervical like thing at the back there. Then there's others that are holding them by the chin. There's others that are turning them upside down, others throwing them on the stomach. How do you get a baby to burp? And is it important for them to burp? It is important. It definitely is important. Uh, look, I mean, there's some lactation consultants who are wonderful. That they're on a purely breastfed kid. They, they need to burp less often. Um, and there isn't a golden formula where you can go like, my kid's done this, they've achieved their 100% distinction for burping. Um, every kid <laughs> kind of is, is slightly different. So you kind of need to see how they're burping. You know, like if my kid has one big burp and they're cool, or they actually need two or three little ones and they're cool, 
Um, or they need one now and one in five minutes time. So you need to kind of learn your own kid because it's kind of tricky with your audience and the listeners here. I'd probably say one of my, one good piece of advice is a friend of mine uh, who's a wonderful chiropractor has got a YouTube video. His name is Mike Marinas uh, and it's called Baby Burping Techniques. Um, and it's just, uh, it's had lots of views. It's got, a, it's just got good evidence behind it, good techniques. It's easy to follow. Um, and it does help like literally thousands and thousands of families help with burping. There isn't a silver bullet. There isn't one technique that works perfectly for every kid. I, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't recommend beating a child until they are black and blue. So uh, it's, it's, certainly, it's, it's worth watching the video. Um, and then there are some basics. So, you know, they, they generally say you want to be rubbing as opposed to patting. Patting will break up a big gas bubble. And most of the, the time, what you're looking to do is get the bigger gas bubbles to the top because that's what causes the discomfort. And the bigger gas bubble comes to the top easier than the small ones. So as a result, rubbing is better than patting. But, you know, I mean, I can, again, like there's, there's so much around burping. But yes, don't beat the poor child. Um, don't persist for too long because you will, again, drive them nuts. So get to understand the, the child, read the child. And then there's, um, I guess, for time purposes right now, if you can go watch that video. So just to end off the burp, because I want to hear like, you know, point three and point four, as a mother of five kids, eventually uh, I learned and, and thank God I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bobber of many. Like eventually I said to my kids, you know, they've eaten, there's half an hour, three quarters of an hour, they're done. Like you can't spend the next three hours trying to get the burp up till you get to the next feed. Eventually there's time out, the end. Yep. Like how long should one take to try and get that, 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 that burp out of the, uh, out of the kid? So I'm going to say kind of two things. The first is, in my video, he actually says 20 minutes, but I think it's way too long. So I generally only go like five, six minutes at most. There and that's go. enough. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then you, again, you'll get to learn your kids. So some are pretty quick and you're done. Some, as you, like you'll see, you, you try and then you eventually just put them down and 10 minutes later, they, they, they crash and they mow and you pick them up and then they burp. So you'll get to know them. I'm going to say something extremely controversial, so please don't judge me on this. But there is kind of two things that dads rock at and moms are better at everything else with babies. And one of the things that dads rock at is burping. So if you're battling with burping, Give dad a go. Let him try. And if he, if he does get it right, it gives him a, an amazing sense of accomplishment. And they finally feel like they're part of the mix and they, they're involved and they, they're doing something useful. So try, because dads often rock at burping. I think it has yeah. to be just because they literally don't have that anxiety about this, this burp <laughs> getting out of the baby that the baby just <laughs> listens. <laughs> I, I remember one time, I think, I think with our fifth kid, it was like the middle of the night. I had breastfed her and she wasn't burping. And I just said to my husband, I just take over. I can't. And his form of burping was he just like half propped himself up in bed. And I think it's the skin to skin that worked. He took the, he took the kid, put, him on, put her on, it, on his chest. And he was using one tiny finger, like he was doing like a little tap, like <laughs> nothing. He fell asleep, she fell asleep, and guess what? I fell asleep, and guess what? She didn't burp, and she was the happiest baby. <laughs> Okay, well, good job. <laughs> I also found though, Dr. Tony, that you know, keeping my babies upright in the pouch literally just saved me, saved the baby. Everyone was just happy, kept the baby upright, you know, also made them feel warm, safe, got the burps out, helped the reflux. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a massive fan of uh, of baby carriers. You know, it's it's second best to skin to skin. So if you're gonna be walking around the neighborhood, you're walking around your complex. Please don't do skin to skin. Um, I'm a, you know, I think uh, a baby carrier is wonderful. 
So yeah, it keeps them upright, good for digestion, good for their positioning, good for your um, connection with them. So yeah, you can keep them up on, uh, on your chest in a baby carrier until they get married. Just keep them there for as long as possible. I think they're awesome there. Don't worry. There's <laughs> a caveat to that. Like I, I, I carried my, uh, I think he's his 16-month-old um, grandson um, in, a, in a carrier walking around, and I landed having to see the chiropractor, and I came back because every I like I conked out my bottom of my back and my shoulders and whatever. So, yeah, we hear that. So, we're speaking so, to Dr. Tony. And we are talking chiropractics, particularly his passion, and that is of pediatrics. If you have a comment or a question, 34519 is our SMS line and 061-895-1019, our telegram number. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. So before we move on, Dr. Tony, are there any other pointers for the for for the, the, the initial crying baby? Lots and lots and lots. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, one of the ones I'm not going to speak just to crying baby. I'm going to kind of talk about from newborn baby all the way through uh, kind of even to childhood. Because I even see it with your kids that have been to crawl properly or to walk properly. One thing that I, I want kind of moms or, or dads to, to take home from today is symmetry. So what I mean by that is that, you know, once they're born, they're going, they're going through such a massive uh, developmental stage, such a massive growth phase and, and growth rate. Uh, in the first year of life, they, they pretty much triple their birth weight, that you're looking for as much symmetry as possible. So what that means is, you know, if you're bottle feeding, uh, you'll generally find your right-handed moms or right-handed dads will hold baby in their left arm and feed with their right. Um, and they keep doing that. Or babies, you know, lying in the lying in the cot, lying in the in a bassinet, etc. Always looking to one side. Uh, every time they go on their tummy, they always look towards one side. So uh, that does create problems. It does create imbalance. Uh, not just uh, can directly. So you'll often get kids with with funky shaped skulls and with irregularities of their skull as a result of it. But just for the rest of the development as well. And that goes right throughout. So. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're aware of that kind of a typical hold where like a mom will put a kid on their hip and, and gut their hip, their hip out. That's not great for mom or for kid because they generally always go one side. So uh, it's kind of a, a strong point on this is just making sure that moms are alternating sides, holding baby on the left and on the right, feeding on the left, feeding on the right, uh, just making sure that they're getting as much symmetry as possible. Um, even when baby starts playing, I uh, generally encourage baby to kind of reach up and re- and grab it for both right and left, just as much symmetry as kind of mom can encourage, uh, you know, in those, in those formative years. Okay, that sounds, uh, that sounds more than, than, than right. Um, again, from, from experience, I remember we had, uh, my, my, I think my first granddaughter, she only fell asleep if she fell on one side. Like if you put it down on the left side, she just cried blue murder. If you put it down on the right side, she fell asleep and eventually like worked out like there is a lack of symmetry. And, you know, um, that was actually our introduction. I, I, you, my, my daughters have seen you of, of coming in and just showing, you know, like just get the kid back into a, a straight line because then then you do get that. Is there any other things? So we've we've discussed, um, you know, burping. We've discussed, we've just discussed symmetry. Is there anything else that a parent should know? Tell me time. So uh, once again, to go back to, you know, that in utero positioning, especially for your seeds of babies, um, to, uh, tummy time is massive. 
So you, it's important for the development, for their hands, for their shoulders, for their neck, for their postural development, their eyes. Um, so ideally, as much as possible, tummy time is super important. And again, right from the beginning. So the general formula I'd give to most parents is you're looking at about one minute per day, per week of age. So what that all means is, you know, if your baby is three weeks old, you're looking for kind of three minutes a day, every day. Five weeks old, five minutes a day. Ten weeks old, ten minutes a day. Um, and it doesn't have to be consecutive. It doesn't have to be all in a row. You can do, you know, if the baby is nine weeks old, you can kind of do three minutes in the morning, three minutes midday, three minutes in the evening. And that's, that's sufficient. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I mean, every day, and if baby's unsettled and if baby's not enjoying it, uh, you know, either see a chiropractor or a physio or see someone that can see why they're not enjoying it or look at different tips to make it, you know, encourage them to enjoy it. Don't push through, put anything for your kids. Don't push through uh, and, and develop negative neural pathways or develop, you know, ways that they're, they're discouraged from doing it. So if, they are, if they're hating it, pick them up, love them and try, try again later. Have, what are your thoughts of babies sleeping on their stomachs? So, oh, I'm putting on the spot here, um, so, <laughs> uh, um, The World Health Organization is against sleeping on their tummy. It is uh, not safe just in terms of SIDS. Just, so um, it, is, it is discouraged. Uh, they, they, they've had a very strong campaign since I think the 1970s called the Back to Sleep Campaign, where babies sleep on their back. Uh, it is the safest way to, for babies to sleep. Controversially, it's not always the best. And what I mean by that is if they're sleeping only purely flat on their back, they can develop kind of that flattened head and they can develop what's called a brachiocephaly or plagiocephaly where the, the shape of the head starts changing. So what I generally encourage to do is not even to turn all the way onto the side, but just to have a very, very, very mild rotation just to make sure that baby is either turning their head both sides, not looking just straight up, um, or you're using just a slice uh, piece of equipment like a towel or something, you have to get some rotation so that they can look both left and right and straight up. Um, so that's the safest and the best. Um, I, I don't encourage tummy sleeping at all, and I, and I don't even really love complete lateral coming, so complete lateral uh, side sleeping, because again, there's still a risk that they can roll onto their tummy. If, and, and this is not coming from me at all, but a lot of pediatricians, if you're with them and you're watching them and you're in the same room as them and it's during the day, uh, there, there's some people that, that do allow it and encourage it. I, I'm, I'm not a fan. Uh, my fear was mostly when a baby would be lying on their backs and they'd be, you know, have their reflux. And for me, I found them choking quite often. So according to the World Health Organization, according to kind of all the studies, uh, even if they do vomit and even if they do bring up, it's still uh, shown to be the safest way to sleep in your tummy. Uh, pretty much every baby would still turn to the side. It would still vomit up the kind of the side of their mouth. They still found it to be the safest way. Okay, so then tummy time, you were mentioning the nine minutes. What, what's next? So um, kind of the, the, the next thing is just handling techniques. So most newborns looking at um, making sure that their heads don't pop backwards and don't fall backwards. So just kind of teaching some techniques on how to pick baby up, how to hold baby, basically. So I always kind of make sure for on your newborn that your hand is behind the back of the head and whether you're picking them up or burping them or holding them, especially some of the kids with reflux like to arch backwards. A lot of your kids, um, they don't get angry or they're frustrated, lean backwards. They're often looking for a position of comfort, so they lean backwards. And if their head pops backwards, really not great for their neck, does cause discomfort, does cause irritation. 
So for those kids, and what for all kids, I strongly encourage them at least the first four months to have a hand behind the back of their head always. And when you're holding them and handing them, that their head never pops backwards. Can, can we switch tracks? We're running out of time. and There's like still so much to talk about. Let's just talk about the adults. Like what is the sign besides pain? Is, 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 there, is, there, is there any value in going to a chiropractor just as a, like a preventative measure, like once every month or once, uh, once every six weeks? You know, can, can we talk to that in like two minutes? Sure. So, so, so in fact, uh, kind of more so than kids, I'd actually encourage adults to kind of do that. And the reason is uh, um, kids uh, have got much better postures, much better activities of daily living. They, they're just... Um, adults have got bad postures, bad habits, they sit badly, they work badly, they sleep badly, they drive their cars badly. So um, on kind of all the adults, uh, kind of my main focus is the reason they're coming in, unless it's like a big sports injury or a big car accident or a rugby injury or they've got drunk at a wedding and fallen and slipped during the horrors, um, you know, like unless it's a big trauma, um, it's 90% of the reason adults are coming in is activities of daily living. And what I mean by that is they're either sitting badly, sleeping badly, or standing badly. So going At what stage places, then would you know, like to use a chiropractor versus a, a physiotherapist? So for a lot of that stuff, reasonably similar. Uh, I mean, I work really closely with physios and depending on uh, how the patient's doing and what they've got, um, on an acute injury, so like, you know, if they've uh, been sitting badly and they've got uh, low back pain and it's going down their leg or they've got uh, low back pain and it's just not going away. Uh, chiropractic has been trying to be very effective. Um, once they've restored their function, in other words, once they, those joints are moving properly, the muscles are relaxed, you know, then uh, just to kind of strengthen that behavior to, to make sure that they build a good, healthy pattern, then I'd often refer to physio. And then for me, physio works a lot better. So for me, like in terms of uh, chiropractic for babies and for kids, that's kind of often my differentiator is to restore normal function to the joints and muscles. Chiropractic works really well. Um, and then to maintain and to strengthen that activity, uh, I often refer to physios and physios are wonderful at that. I guess um, it's, it's the discussion of is the court bef- uh, is the cart before, is, is the horse before the cart or the, you know, the, the, yes. the cart before the horse. Sometimes, um, you know, you need the chiropractor to get you right so that your muscles can relax. And at other times, I've actually found I need to get my muscles to relax so the chiropractor can actually put me back into place. And we've got a message here of morning. I went to see an osteopath for my back arthritis. She worked magic, gave me exercises, and I've never looked back. So, yes, there is definitely, definitely place. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We hopefully have dispelled um, the workings of a chiropractor and that, in fact, is very safe, very effective. And we certainly do encourage it on our show to go try it out as an alternative because many, many times I've learned, certainly from that one time that I started with a chiropractor, that, you know, no amount of physio, no amount of painkillers took it away until I actually was realigned. Tony, if people want to get hold of you, how can they get to see you or make contact with you? Um, anyway, it's pretty the easiest is just to call the, the practice. Uh, the number is 011-268-0323. That's 011-268-0323. 
um, but they can kind of go into my Facebook page, which is Cairo for Kids, um, SA or Instagram, same thing. Yeah, that's probably, I guess, the easiest. Okay, cool. And I, I have to finish off with this. What do you do with for dads? Do you just rich them right? <laughs> dads are so complicated. Um, <laughs> no, so, um, if it's for dads for little ones, uh, essentially giving them confidence. Um, but if it's dads for their own back, oh, they're a problem. They never listen. So, um, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's not that straightforward as an answer. Okay, well, it's... I can definitely vouch for you, Dr. Tony. Thank you so much for all that you've done for all of our babies in this country. <laughs> definitely, there's lots of listeners out there that have benefited from your work, so thank you. Thank Absolutely, you. And, thank you for, and thank you for your time. And to you, the listeners, hope that this has just broadened your mind a little bit more. And uh, as we say, healthy you means a wealthy you. There's nothing better than feeling good. To everybody out there, have a fantastic week ahead. And uh, to Faggy. Thanks again, and we will be As back. As always. Next place. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, bye.